and I got this from Ken Revisa, and it's a really, really important quote where people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. So I live by that. I want my players to know how much I care about them, and I think through that, I develop trust with my players. Welcome to the Athlete One Podcast. Veteran high school baseball coach Ken Carpenter takes you into life's classroom as experienced through sports. Go behind the scenes with athletes and coaches as they share great stories, life lessons, and ways to impact others. Today's episode of the Athlete One Podcast is powered by the Netting Professionals, improving programs one facility at a time. Will Miner and his team at the Netting Pros specialize in the design, fabrication, and installation of custom netting for baseball and softball, including backstops, batting cages, BP turtles, screens, ball carts, and more. They also design and install digital graphic wall padding, windscreen, turf, turf protectors, dugout benches, and cubbies. The Netting Pros also work with football, soccer, lacrosse, and golf courses. Contact them today at 844-620-2707. That's 844-620-2707. Or visit them online at www.nettingpros.com. You can also check out Netting Pros on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and LinkedIn for all their latest products and projects. If you enjoyed today's show, share it with a friend. And don't forget to hit that subscribe button, rate the show, and leave us a review. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, at Athlete One Podcast. Hi, my name is Ken Carpenter, and welcome to Athlete One, a podcast for athletes, coaches, and parents. My, mes- my mission is to bring this group together and learn from those who were successful and have also failed as a player or coach. Joining me today, I'm excited to have Jimmy Phil and Jerry, Lords High School head baseball coach and host of Clearing the Bases podcast. Coach, thanks for taking the time on a Sunday to to join me. Uh, no, no problem at all, Ken. I uh, I really appreciate you having me. Well, it's it's mid January and here in Ohio, it's single digits and. Uh, like most coaches, you're up in you know you're up there in New York. Are you uh, one of those guys that's wishing it's spring, or do you kind of enjoy this cold weather? I hate the cold weather. <laughs> it is now nine degrees here, and I basically am counting the days until spring. Yes, exactly. I I'm anti cold weather, and I decided to get a puppy over Christmas, and that's. Uh, makes my life brutal <laughs> <laughs> yeah we uh we actually yesterday had a seventh and eighth grade clinic in the gym at the high school which you know it's great i love working with with the younger guys and um it was it was it was a good it was a good uh clinic but the previous week we we, we did a two-week clinic so it was uh the 13th and the 20th and on the 13th believe it or not the weather here was phenomenal so we switched gears we got the boys outside we did the whole clinic outside and i was loving it and then you know to go to yesterday and and have it in the gym 
you know, kind of put a damper on things. You know, I, I'd rather be outside. Yes. Well, what's easier for you, coaching high school baseball or podcasting? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, I think podcasting is definitely easier. <laughs> um, you know, to, to, to be able to sit here with guys like you and, and just talk about baseball, um, I, I, I love it. And not that I don't love coaching. It's that coaching is a lot more work. So, you know, you have to do all your practice plans. You have to do, you know, all of your paperwork and your preparation and, you know, all of this stuff that, um, you know, it's work. I love it, but it's work. Um, doing a podcast, I just got to talk. <laughs> <laughs> and you're pretty good at it. So, <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> well, you know, since you've been got into coaching, I'm sure you, you started as a little licker and, and just love the game. But since you've been in coaching, what has been your biggest challenge that you face? Either it's every season you're like, wow, this is the challenge or what, what are some obstacles that you've uh, run into every, every season? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Cause I, I could tell you right off the bat, it's, um, trying to create competition in my practices. I've always struggled with that. And I, I fight constantly to introduce that into the practices so that every single practice we have some type of competition now when do when does your season start when do you when are you allowed to go full go in the gym up in new york so it's kind of you know, this role as, as the um, head coach at um, Lords is new to me. They, I, I just got this position um, in November. So the school that I was at, the varsity team was picked in the fall. So it was nice because they were able to, you know, work, do their strength and conditioning, do their winter training and all of that stuff because they knew the team. Well, now in Lords, it's a little bit different because it's a it's a different um, league. We play in the um, New York State Public High School League. You're not allowed to do that. So what we do is we hold clinics. And I started my clinics January 7th, the day I got home from the convention. And um, it's open to everyone. It's not mandatory. And it just because you attend does not necessarily mean that you make the team. It's there. Come and, you know, come and we'll, 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 almost, you know, it's just like a clinic, like we just did with the seventh and eighth graders come, we'll teach as much as we can and tryouts will be in March. So we did start January, but I don't necessarily know if that's the teams yet. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Well, this kind of leads into my next question. What would be the one piece of advice that you would give a, a first time head coach? Wow. <laughs> do your homework. There is not, you, you know, I mean, you, you know, your high school coach, you know, as much as I do, the, you know, all, all of the, the preparation that goes into it is it's, it's a lot of work. So I forgot who it was, but there was a coach that had a quote, I think it might've been Butch Chaffin who said this, but it, it was, it was, it hit home with me where he said, the only time that I'm nervous is when I'm not prepared. So as a coach, my advice would be 
get as much stuff down on paper. That's what I do. I get as much stuff down on paper that I could possibly get on paper. This way, I'm prepared. If anything comes up, I have everything. I don't have to start thinking in this and that. Everything is in, in front of me. I I agree with you on that because it's, uh, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people that aren't in to the coaching side of things thinks, thinks it's easy to be a coach. You know, they think it's easy to send that guy home when he's rounding third or, but they, re they really don't understand everything that entails being a head coach, the paperwork, the grade checks, the making sure the kids are on time and everything. And, and that's the part that baseball's really coaching baseball is really not that easy. I, I, I agree with you a hundred percent. You know, one, one of the things too, that I, I would tell coaches that are first time coaches is do not neglect the mental side of the game. It's so important. Um, I spend a lot of time with that. I believe, and I've said this on my show a million times, that you can take a player that may be, you know, marginal talent wise, but has a very good, a strong mental approach to the game, is going to, in the long run, my feeling is going to be better than a kid that maybe has a lot of skill and has a very bad approach or a very bad mental outlook. Um, He's going to suffer more than than the kid who is less talented. My feeling. What's an example of something you do with your mental training? Oh God! Um, so it's a lot of classroom work. I was fortunate enough to be able to go through mental performance training. So all of the the stuff that I accumulated from that course that I took, we'll call it a course, and. I, I use a lot of it in a classroom. So what we'll do is we'll do, believe it or not, we'll hand out a questionnaire. I'll give out to the players and they'll be able to take the questionnaire. And from those answers that they give me, I'll be able to develop a mental profile on that particular player. Okay. So how does he handle adversity? How does he handle criticism? Um, you know, is he a team player? This will help me to do that. You know, then, then we go through stuff, you know, like self-talk, we go through uh, goal setting, um, and just really try to explain and hammer home all of these principles that will make you a better player. Breathing, you know, we, we do drills to breathe. So, you know, yeah. all of this stuff is very important. Well, go back to your high school playing days and, uh, you know, you're around my age, so it, you know, it, it's been a while, but, um, what would you tell yourself? Let's say you're a sophomore or junior in high school again. What would you tell yourself that would benefit today's current players on your team? Okay. This is, and I'm kind of glad you brought it up. Um, I played high school ball. My freshman year was the last year that I played baseball. Okay. So, oh, okay. I, uh, say, how do I explain this? Okay. So I wrote an article for inside pitch magazine quite a few years ago and kind of explained my journey to becoming a coach. When I was younger, little league, you know, all the way up to that freshman year, I was starting shortstop on every team I played on. I was the number one pitcher on every team that I played on. So I like to think that I had ability when I got up to high school. Back then, you know, we're about the same age. 
people looked at sports differently than they do now. So it wasn't a priority. It wasn't top on the list. It wasn't like, like it is now where parents are pushing kids to play. I had other things that I had to do. I had to work. I had, you know, if I wanted a car, I had to, you know, there were many reasons why I stopped playing, but, and again, it's one of the things that, that kind of frustrates me, but I kind of come to grips with it is I don't know. And I never will know. Was I a good baseball player? Or was I not, you know, was I good amongst players that weren't very good or was I good amongst good players? I don't know. And I never will. And it kind of drove me and I'm kind of going a little bit off topic, but that's okay. It kind of drove me to be where I am with coaching because I said, you know, I didn't get the chance to do, to go as far as I could as a player. Well, as a coach, I'm going to try and be the best that I could be, learn as much I can to be the best coach that I possibly can be. And that makes sense. I mean, that's that, that's all you can ask for, you know, if you're a player on your team is having a coach that's dedicated to to being the, the best coach he could possibly be and, and putting them in a situation where they have a chance to be successful. And, you know, when when you talk about your, your coaching experience, what is something that, um, that you've learned that you think that, you know, a lot of times your players don't fully understand about you, that you know about the game, but they're like learning and they're going, well, you know, this, this guy doesn't quite get us younger guys. That's funny. Um, Number one, I, I believe in, and on my show, if, if you've ever listened to my show, at the end of the show, I always say, and I got this from Ken Revisa, and it's a really, really important quote where people don't care how much you know till they know how much you care. So yeah. I live by that. I want my players to know how much I care about them. And I think through that, I develop trust with my players. So when... I do maybe introduce a new principle. Um, they know that my heart is in the right place. They know that I'm doing everything that I can to help them. And I think that that's, that's really, really important. And the, the parents, I'm sure, appreciate that too. Yeah. I mean, I've had a lot of success. You know, you hear horror stories about parents. And I won't say that I've, I've never had parent problems. Of course, we, we all have. But I think once the parents know that you really care about those players as a person first, before you care about them as a player, it makes things a lot easier to have conversations with them. They know where you're coming from. Right. How, how do you approach handling tough conversations? You know, let's say maybe you got a, a player that's, been starting for half a season and he's struggling and the, you know, you talked about compete, having competition every day. And then you got to maybe take that person and, and, you know, you, you got to put him on the bench and give this other guy an opportunity. How do you handle that type of conversation? Being brutally honest. And I think that, yeah, no, it's only my opinion, but I believe that that's the only way to go because, and I, I never, ever 
do something to a kid without reason. So if, you know, a player is on the bench, there's a reason why he's there. And if I do have that conversation with, with a parent, I will tell them why. Now, are they always going to agree with me? Um, no. But, you know, it could be, you know, performance issues. It could be mental. And a lot of times that's what it is. Um, but I, I don't have any problem. Excuse me. I don't have any problem being brutally honest with a parent. And I, I, I think if you're not being honest and you're trying to kind of sugarcoat it or, you know, get around it somehow, you, you're, you're hurting yourself and you're also doing a disservice to the player because if the parent knows what your reasoning is, maybe that parent can help you as a coach get through to the player that, hey, this is what we need to do. Right. I totally agree with you on that. Well, can you share a funny or maybe even an embarrassing moment that that you've seen on the baseball field? It can either be with you as a coach or maybe you, you don't want to give the name of the coach or, or player, but you're like, wow, that was, that was pretty funny. Funny. Hmm. Let's see. Okay. The, 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 the thing that comes to mind is with, with my son. Now to me, it's funny. I don't know. This may not be funny to anybody else, but to me, it was, I, I got a kick <laughs> out of it. So my, my son was started coach with me. He's now 24. So this is going back a couple of years ago. He had just started coaching with me. I believe I was coaching a 14 year travel team and he was coaching first base. I'm coaching third base situation came up. My number three hitter is up. So I'm giving him signs and I, you know, I give him the month sign. So I see my son at first base and he's, you know, flailing his arms up in the air, you know, shaking his head. And, you know, I'm looking at him like, what, <laughs> you know, what, what's the problem? And, you know, we, we really can't communicate. He's all the way across the diamond. So anyway, right. the kid executes the bunt, does whatever he has to do. And after the inning, I'm going to the dugout and, you know, I looked at him and I said, what was that all about? Like that. So he looks at me, he goes, daddy, he goes, what'd you do? Lose your mind. So I said, why? He said, you bunt your number three hitter. So I looked at him and I said, then I said, he's 14 years old. He's not Alex Rodriguez. I said, I need to bunt. Everybody has to bunt. I don't care where he's in the lineup. And it was, to me, it was funny because he's looking at it through the eyes of somebody watching a major league game where that would probably never happen. But youth baseball right. is different. That kid, when he, when he gets older, he's not, I would, I mean, I would venture to say that he's probably not going to be a number three hitter, even if he goes to college. So he better learn how to bunt <laughs> now. Yes. And that, that's an area where I think is one of the most neglected areas in high school baseball, because you know, you take you, you go to any indoor facility, all you do is see kids working on their swing and trying to see how far they can hit it. But I think bunting, if, if you want to have a good season and have a good team, you got to have guys that can get the ball down. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, like I said to you, we started our winter training or our winter clinics, um, you know, a couple of weeks ago, and we've already gone over bunting. And we'll, I, I have a, another session today. Um, we'll bunt again today. We'll bunt all the time. Yeah, that's, that's the only way you, you need to coach, in my opinion. Well, you know, it's funny, you know, I asked you to, 
share a story about something that's funny. I can recall, I, I used to umpire before I became a high school baseball coach and I was doing the beast of the East tournament and I was down in Wheeling, West Virginia, where it's hosted. And I was working with a guy who's a hall of fame baseball coach, but in the summer he, he umpires and, and his claim to fame is he taught Ted Valentine, the NCAA basketball referee that had the chair thrown across the gym floor by Bobby Knight. He kind of had him as a, both as an assistant coach and got him into officiating. And, um, but I, I was down there umpiring and I was on the bases and, and this Bob was behind the plate and a team from New York was there and they were really good. And, you know, play happens, they come out, they argue. And I, I just really believe that the coach was trying to do something to get his team fired up. And he thought if he could get thrown out and it was the 4th of July and, you know, it's burning hot down there, you know, and he, he argued and he wouldn't quit. And I'm thinking, all right, when is, you know, when's Bob going to toss this guy? And finally the guy asked him straight up, he goes, why won't you throw me out? Because he was really using some choice words. And, uh, he goes, he goes, I'm a Patriot and it's the 4th of July. I'm not throwing anybody out today. <laughs> and the guy would just walk away. He goes, I can't even get thrown out. And that was classic. You know, I mean, this coach was so frustrated. He couldn't get thrown out. So, <laughs> but getting back to what we were talking about, you've been around the game long enough. If you could change one thing to make the high school game better, what what change would you make? Wow. What change would I make to make the game better? What do you, you uh, mean let, let me give you an example. Here, in my opinion, I know for the purists it wouldn't work, but I think there needs to be a double first base. Oh, really? Because that running down to first and you have that interference call and you know, it's impossible to run in foul territory and step on a fair base that's in fair territory. So I always think that there's got to be something there, you know, maybe extend the base, something. Right. To make it, um, I, 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 I could see that, but I'm going to, I'm going to come back at you on that. And I'm going to give you my opinion is that I believe that everything we do is developmental. Everything, even at the, even at the varsity level, although I do understand that winning is more important at the varsity level than it is at the lower levels. But I would say that we're trying to develop, we're trying to teach. That is something that will not be there when they go to play college baseball. So we as coaches would have to find a way to make sure that we teach. And as a matter of fact, in, in the seventh and eighth grade clinic, Yesterday, we were going over PFPs, you know, the get over play where the pitcher has to get over and, you know, again, drill it, drill it, teach them, you know, how to hit the corner of the base, not go to the middle of the base so that you avoid that collision and that type of stuff. So I'll say in that aspect, um, I, I think that we should be just developing them to play it for the next level. I always believe that whatever level you're, you're coaching at, you know, in other words, if you're coaching 10-year-olds, you should be coaching them to be 12-year-olds and so so on and so forth all the way up. Right. Makes sense. 
Well, switching gears a little bit here, you're the host of Clearing the Bases podcast. And tell me, how did how'd you become a, a podcaster? Because I know how my story started. It was COVID and everything, but how did, how did it start for you? It's really, really amazing to me how this all came about and where it's gone. So this is going back probably about four or five years ago. And we were at a tournament. I was coaching travel baseball. And one of my players' dads said to me, hey, coach, you know, you should do a podcast. And my immediate reaction was, you know, you're nuts. I'm not doing this. So he goes, no, no, really. He said, you have the personality for it. He said, you know, why don't you just try it? And I'm like, no, leave me alone. I'm not doing it. So a couple of days later, I get an email from him. And it had all of the information that I would need to start a podcast. He told me what type of microphone to get, what type of programs to use. He explained the whole thing to me. So I called him up and I said, you don't understand. I said, I am not doing this. So um, I don't remember exactly how, but he talked me into at least playing around with it. So I did. And I started recording stuff and I had a hard time doing it, you know, just listening to myself talk. I, I was like, this is garbage. Nobody's going to want to listen to this. So I had actually been prior to this. I had been a guest on someone else's podcast and this is going to be a little bit of a long story. So I hope you got some time for this. That's okay. <laughs> so I, I believe it or not, I, I had gone to a wake and I was at the wake and I ran into my co-host Dave. So he came over to me and he said, Hey, he said, I was listening to the podcast that you were on. He said, you did, you know, he said, I thought it was great. Da, 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 da. So I said, Oh, thank you. And that's it. I said, yeah, I'm playing around with doing a podcast myself. So he said, that's interesting. He said, so am I, but he, he was doing something that was not related to baseball. So I don't know, maybe the next day or something, I get a phone call from Dave and he said, Hey, what do you think about putting this together, you and I. Now, I had known Dave because our boys played youth baseball together, and so I knew him from that, and, you know, I knew his baseball background, and I said, all right, let's give it a shot. Let's see what happens. So that was that. We were playing around, playing around, and, you know, I, I felt like not having much success. Now, this is going to go back to the mental performance classes that I was taking. So I would go once a week, Zoom calls with the, the, the instructor, Jonathan Reinbold, who has become a fantastic friend. He taught me so much about how to teach the mental side of the game. So we were, we were doing the classes and I told him about it. So he said, well, look, he said, we're going to use this kind of as your, your training about setting goals. And he said, this is the way we're going to do it. And he, you know, laid it all out. And I, I'll, I'll never forget my, my first goal was to have an episode released by September of 2020, right? Because we started in 21. Yeah, so it was by September of 2020, he said, th that was my first milestone. Well, that came and that went. But he made me refocus and he made me keep going and da-da-da-da-da. March 2021, I released the first episode. And 
the rest the rest is history. So it's a little bit of a convoluted story because it was something that I really didn't think that I would ever do. I thought that maybe we'd put, you know, an episode or two out there and that would be the end of it. Well, here we are going on three years later and we're still going strong. And that's Clearing the Bases podcast. And let me ask you this. What what have you learned from your guests? What what do you I mean, to me, that's the biggest thing I get from hosting a podcast is what I've learned from every guest that I have on the show. Really, really, really important. I mean, that's really important. The stuff that I've learned from my guest is priceless and there is so much and, you know, there are just so many people to thank because of the guests that, that we've had on the show. And I'll tell you, we, we've had not, not only baseball coaches, but we've had, you know, authors and, um, I'll give you a perfect example is we had a guy on from the Excel Sports Institute. His name is Bill Ekstrom. And when when it was first presented to me to have him on, I was like, well, what does this have to do with baseball? You know, I, I wasn't sure. So I said, you know, all right, let's let's do it anyway. The worst thing that can happen is it, it doesn't work out. And I say, hey, listen, I thank you, you know, for coming on. But I just don't think this is for our listeners. Well, Bill was fantastic. And the things that he taught me in that episode regarding um, transactional versus transformational coaches has changed the way I coach just from that one episode. And he's not a baseball guy. So, you know, the stuff that I learned from, from these people is just incredible. And I, I really believe that in the three years I've gotten exponentially better as a coach due to them. Right. And that's, and you've had some great guests on your, on your show. And, um, you were recently down at the, the, the national ABCA coaches convention and you actually took your show on the road. How was that? Oh, that was awesome. You know, again, another story. So last year, not not this this past January, the one before. So January of 2023. Again, Jonathan Reibold, the guy who gave me my mental performance classes, said to me, hey, Jim, why don't you take your podcast on the road? Record from the convention. So he hooked me up with, um, it's actually a little um, recording studio. It's, it's wireless. It's, um, you know, battery operated. So... The transmitter is about, I don't know, it's about the size of maybe two inches by two inches, if that big. It's it, This thing fits into something that looks like it's an eyeglass case. <laughs> so we did it, and I had a ball. I loved it. So I get a call from the ABCA. I'm trying to think when it was. It was late. It was probably like October, November, and they said, hey, what do you think about broadcasting we're going to have a bunch of podcasters doing this and i said hey, you know what i'll give it a shot it sounds like fun so i did and just an am amazing amazing experience the people that i've met the people that i continue to meet the collaboration the um it, it's just it's an amazing experience i don't have you ever been to the convention I've, uh, yes, I've been to the, uh, the, the ABCA. Yes. It's, uh, it's amazing the turnout that they get for that. Yeah. 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 So, well, 
you know, I wanted to, I, I do a little thing called rapid fire Uh-oh. and I'm going to hit you with some questions and see how you, how you do with them. If you could have three people dead or alive to be on the clearing the bases podcast, who would they be and why? Wow. Okay. So we'll start with, with number one is Ken Revisa. Okay. Because I, I, I believe the mental side of the game is really, really important. I would, you know, it's it's just a shame, you know, that he's not, no longer with us. But if he was here, yes, believe me, I would reach out to him and definitely get him on the show. Um, I would say number two is maybe, let's say, Tim Corbin. I'd love to have him on the show because he... Um, you know, his record of success and how, you know, he climbed that ladder from, you know, coaching in New Hampshire to working his way all the way to, you know, being one of the most recognized and most successful college coaches ever. I would really, really love to have a conversation with him. And then this one is going to be a little bit of a curveball. Okay. So there's a gentleman, his name is Darren Fenster. I don't know if you know who he is. Yes, I, yeah, I know who you're talking about. Okay, coach your kids, right? Yeah. Um, I've been following him for many, many, many years. And I believe that his teachings and what he talks about are spot on and has shaped a lot of what I do as a coach. Um, I would love to have him on the show. I have reached out to him at times, but... You know, I understand these guys, they're all very, very busy. It's hard for them to, they must get like a million emails from people. And, you know, I, I, but I won't stop though. I'll, I'll keep trying to bug them until I can get him on because I really believe that if I can get him on for my listeners, it would be priceless for them. Yes. Hate, hate losing or love winning. Hmm. I guess I would have to say I hate losing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm right there with you on that one. That's for sure. Yeah. Um, because, you know, and I'll explain it a little bit because when I step on that field, I want to win every single time. But I understand that that's not reality. You're not going to win every single game. So we have to take what we can and learn from it so that we can make our players better. But, um, but I do hate losing. (laughs) I don't like it. (laughs) Well, I, I, I'm looking in uh, the room that you're, you're joining me from and I see Yankee stadium behind you. (laughs) All right. So I'm assuming you're a Yankee fan. Uh, yeah. (laughs) Yes. How far are you from the city? Um, to Yankee stadium. I'm probably about, 45 minutes, maybe, maybe an hour. All right. So you get a chance to manage your team. What three players would you like to have on your team? And I'm going to give you two groups. Group A, Derek Jeter, Babe Ruth, and Whitey Ford. The other team would have Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, and Andy Pettit. What group are you taking? Wow. 
All right, so let's see. Wait a minute. The first one had Babe Ruth, Derek Jeter, and... Whitey Ford. Whitey Ford. And the other one had... Go ahead. Lou Gehrig, Joe DiMaggio, and Andy Pettit. Wow. All in their prime. I think I'm going with number one. And and why is that? Well, because the first one that's that, you know, I have to go with, um, with Derek Jeter because that's the most recent, you know, in my mind. I watched his whole career. Whitey Ford, you know, I I caught. No, I don't even think I caught his career, so I didn't see any of Babe Ruth. I didn't see any of it, so I'm going to go by Jeter. Okay, so I think that Jeter exemplifies everything that you want in a baseball player. Okay, everything that you want, it's all in one one package. Um, he's a grinder. Um, he's a work. He, he's just, you know, mentally tough. Um, knows the game. His baseball IQ is off the charts. Um, the the famous play that he made where he got Jeremy Giambi at the plate when he yes. flipped the ball. So I was with Shane Spencer recently, and he's the one who threw that ball. And we were, we were talking about it. And he said that Jeter was where he was supposed to be. His position on that play was supposed to be right behind the pitcher's mouth. When Shane threw that ball, Jeter recognized that he was going to airmail the cutoff. He recognized it was too high, so he took off to go get that ball, and the rest is history. He made that great play that everybody oohs and ahs over, okay? That right there shows you how intent he was on paying attention to what's going on in the game. How can I help? How can I make this work? We want our players to be like that. And I know that you, you know, you had three guys in there, but I'm, I'm focusing on one, right? Those type of things are those intangibles that we cannot teach. We try, but we can't teach that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. So what do you enjoy more as a coach, a great squeeze play or a perfectly executed double play? I'm going to take the squeeze play. Okay. <laughs> Can't beat those. I, I, I love those. <laughs> right. Really exciting. Um, I got a story if you want to hear it about that. I sure, get, go. Going back to what we talked about bunting. So again, this is going back years ago, maybe as many as 10 years ago, maybe even more. I had a kid played for me, big kid. He was probably 16 at the time. He was probably about 6'2", six, 6'3", six, uh, chiseled big kid. So we're working on bunting and he's giving me a half-hearted effort while he's bunting. So I can be, what's the word I'm looking for? I can be tough at times. Okay. So I went over to him and I said, what are you doing? Ah, coach, he says, I'm a four or five hitter. He says, I don't bunt. And you can imagine what came out of my mouth. Okay. <laughs> So, you know, so I, I said to him, you know, when you play for me, you blankety blank bunt, damn it. And when, da, 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 you know, I lit him up and down. Right. So I now the, see what he did by doing that was now my radar was up. So now every time he's bunting in practice, I'm paying attention to what he's doing. And if he takes one rep off, I'm right on him. Okay. So <laughs> fast forward to he's a varsity player. 
playing in a game. I, f- I forgot the implications of the game, but it was an important game. Runner on third, bottom of the seventh, tie score. His coach gives him the bunt sign. Okay, squeeze play. So he gets the bunt down, squeezes the guy in, and they win the game. So I gave him probably about two or three hours maybe to, you know, celebrate, go home, have something to eat. And then I text him. I said, hey, Mikey, I said, I thought that we don't bunt. <laughs> so there you go. he said, coach, he said, I knew that I was going to get this, this text message from you. He said, and I was dreading it. So I said, you know, and, I, and I went out to tell him how happy I was, but, um, yeah. So, well, you know, I, I forgot to mention after the last question about the Yankees there, I, you know, being in Ohio, we, you know, don't have quite the Yankee fans that, that you have up your way, but I was at the, the bug game or with Cleveland in the playoffs when all the bugs were flying all yeah. over and, uh, you know, that was just one of the craziest games I've ever, ever seen in, in baseball. And, uh, but that, it was a fun one because obviously Cleveland won, but, uh, you know, I thought I'd, I'd share that with, with, a with a Yankee fan, <laughs> you know, watching that game, I'm looking, you know, I'm watching the game and I'm seeing all the bugs. I forgot who the pitcher was. Was it, uh, Wells? No, no, it was, uh, it was a right-hander. Oh, it was God, Chamberlain. Yes. It was Chamberlain. So I see the bugs all over them. I'm saying to myself, you know, I, I know me, I would have come out of Doug and say, Oh, I can't throw like that. You know, we got to stop the game. Maybe he can't do this. And I, I mean, because I remember it had an adverse effect, right? The, the, the Indians wound up winning because not, I don't want to say because of that, but it was a factor. Yes. Yeah. I, you know, what's funny is we were right off the first base dugout and there were like, no bugs in the stands. Right. It was literally just right on the field, it seemed like. And, uh, but that, talk about a crazy game. That's, you know, other than maybe a bird getting hit by a ball on the field, you know, you usually don't uh, run into things like that. Right. That's for sure. So you're, you're a Cleveland fan, I assume? Yes. Yeah. Uh, a very uh, frustrated Cleveland fan. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, well, lately, you know, very- it like we. We develop all the players, and then the be- the, the big money teams take them. So, yeah. you know how that goes. Well, let me ask you this: Tell the listeners one more time the name of the podcast and a little, uh, just a little bit about it. And because I think anybody that loves baseball should check out your podcast. And where can we find you on social media? Okay, so the podcast is Clearing the Bases podcast. And it is, I'll give you the tagline for it. Um, You know, we discuss all things related to the preparation and development of youth baseball, players, coaches, and parents. And, you know, that's, we are, I, I really believe that we need to get the word out more about what younger, younger level coaches should be doing to teach kids fundamentals okay the basics of the game are not being taught and we're getting them at the high school level and and having to teach them you know how how their feet should be positioned when they take a lead off of first base and i always use that one as an example because it's so simple it takes 10 minutes to teach them how to do it but yet nobody does why 
You know, and it drives me yeah. crazy. Um, yeah. So anyway, that that's what our podcast is about. You can mm-hmm. find it anywhere, any uh, anywhere that pod. You know, you listen to podcasts. You know, Apple, Spotify, um, even Google Podcast, everywhere you can find it. And social media um, on Facebook. I have a personal Facebook page. You can just search my name and it'll come up. There's a clearing the bases page and on X, formerly Twitter, same thing. I have both clearing the bases and my personal. And what's funny on Instagram, I just have personal. I don't have a clearing the bases Instagram, but you, you could find me anywhere. And if anybody did want to reach out my, um, you could email me at uh, clearing the bases at gmail.com. Sounds good. Well, it's Coach Jimmy Phil and Jerry, head baseball coach at Lords High School in New York and host of Clearing the Bases podcast. Coach, thanks for taking the time to be on the Athlete One podcast. Ken, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you having me on. This was a lot of fun. I loved it. Special thanks to Coach Jimmy Phil and Jerry. And don't forget to check out his podcast, Clearing the Bases. Also, Today's podcast was powered by the Netting Professionals Improving Programs, one facility at a time. Contact them today at 844-620-2707 or visit them online at www.nettingpros.com. I'm your host, Ken Carpenter, and as always, thanks for listening. <music>